0: Today's gospel we have that wonderful story of our Lord and His disciples crossing over the Sea of Galilee to the country of the Gerasenes. That's where our Lord is about to cast out that legion of devils and the demoniacs into the herd of pigs. As they're sailing across, our Lord's sleeping in a boat when suddenly this terrible storm arises. The storm's quite probably stirred up by the devils in a futile attempt to keep our Lord at bay. At any rate, the storm's raging. Winds howling and water's crashing over the boat. The boat starts taking on water, as we can see from the count in St. Mark's Gospel. It seems like they're going under and everything is lost. And so the terrified disciples wake our Lord up. And then what does he do? He rebukes them. Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? It's really important to notice here. Here's the ship apparently sinking, and he actually rebukes the disciples for their fear. Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he stands up, commands the winds and the sea, and instantly there's this great calm. Now let's just imagine that suddenly we're to find ourselves on board that little boat with our Lord sweeping quietly there, and that terrible storm rose up. Each one of us should ask himself, how would I act? Would I be scared? Would our Lord rebuke me? Well, how do I act when storms and troubles are looming in my life? Do I act as if I actually believe the Lord is alive, that he's living right there in the tabernacle? And, of course, in my heart, as long as I'm in a state of grace and haven't stupidly thrown him overboard with a mortal sin. He's alive. He's in me. But do I act that way? The late great Father Dian has some excellent practical advice on how we can learn to deal with the stresses and strains, storms and trouble. Practical advice. We can recognize that we should be able to do it. If we had the faith, we should be perfectly calm, come what may. How do we get to that point? Father Dian, we must make up our mind that whether we like it or not, Whether we are good, bad, or indifferent, there will be crosses in our lives. Since this is inevitable, our happiness must necessarily depend upon our attitude towards these crosses. Now, what should our attitude be towards crosses? In order to explain this, it's necessary to say by way of prelude that there's one fact of which we must be absolutely, eternally convinced if we are to have a proper attitude towards crosses. And that is that the first and foremost reason why anything happens in this world is because God wills it. Nothing happens unless God wills it or permits it. Being truly Catholic means that we realize that whatever happens, happens first and foremost because of God's will, either commanding or permitting it. Even what we are accustomed to think of as evil can only happen because God permits it. So St. Augustine said, God deemed it wiser to permit evil that he might draw good from it than to not permit evil. In Romans 5.20 St. Paul says, where sin has abounded grace has abounded all the more. Since then, whatever happens, happens only because God wills it or permits it, our chief concern as lovers of God should be to conform our will to his as perfectly as we can. We conform our will to God's will positively when we do what is commanded and avoid what is forbidden by him through legitimate authority, namely his church and our superiors. Negative conformity to God's will lies in this that whenever anything happens without our choice we accept it all with a calm mind as coming from the loving hand of God the reason we do this is because it's pleasing to God and we thereby imitate our Lord who said negatively in John 6:38 i've come down from heaven not to do my own will and positively in John 8:29 i do always the things that are pleasing to him Doing God's will means positively doing what is commanded or desired by legitimate authority. Negatively, it means graciously wanting and accepting whatever God wills should happen to us. This last aspect is what we mean by loving the cross. To be explicit, loving the cross means that we will what God wills and we will not what God wills not for us. We love the cross when we want what God wants for us. St. Paul says in Romans eight twenty eight, For those who love God, all things work unto good. And he meant literally all things, the good, the bad, the indifferent. It is failure to realize this which leads to so much unhappiness. We cannot be unhappy unless we are blindly willing and choosing, according to our own judgment, of what we think is best for us and not in accordance with God's judgment. That's an important principle. We cannot be unhappy unless we are blindly willing and choosing, according to our own judgment, of what we think is best for us, and not in accordance with God's judgment. A little thought will show this to be so. For we are happy only when we get what we want. But things being the way they are, we can never get everything that we want in this world. We're happy only when we get what we want, But we can never get everything that we want in this world. So then the way to be happy is to want what we get. And that's the only way to get what we want. And when we want what we do get, then it is that we want what God gives to us and what God wants us to have. What God wants us to have is the best thing for us. Contentment is as simple as that. This is why the saints are always happy. In thinking about this, we must realize it's not the whimsical will of a cruel tyrant with whom we are concerned. Rather, we must remember it's God's will, God who has infinite wisdom and goodness and power. Since God is infinitely wise, he knows what's best for us. Since he's infinitely good, he wants what's best for us. And since he's infinitely powerful, he can and will do what is best for us. But if we're living on the level of feelings, our feelings or our passions, we will rebel at the cross. We will sulk and make ourselves and others unhappy and miserable with our complaints. If we're living at the level of our reason or our common sense, we will tend to rationalize things and find every possible excuse why we should not submit to the cross. It's only on the level of faith that we will see the cross as a mark of God's favor and generously accept whatever he sends us. A man who truly loves God and knows that God loves him accepts whatever God sends because he knows that's best, however difficult it may seem at the moment. If he's living by faith, he has complete trust that whatever God sends is best for him. So the attitude we should have towards the cross is this. Since whatever happens happens only because God wants it, or allows it to happen. Therefore, we show our love for Him by graciously accepting whatever happens as coming from the hands of our loving Father. Our loving Father, who alone knows what's best for us. Our attitude should be like that of the young girl at a boarding school. At 20 years of age, she was already the victim of a mortal disease. On her desk, she always kept a strange-looking piece of paper. It was quite blank except at the bottom of the page where she had already signed her name. To her friend she confided, God can write whatever he wants there. I have already signed it. But we might ask whether such love of the cross means that because we want what is, we thereby want what is to stay as it is? Does it mean that we're fatalists or quietists or satisfied to do nothing about injustice, wrongdoing or sickness? Not at all. Loving the cross does not mean we must do nothing about remedying evil situations which may constitute our cross. It does not at all mean that we are satisfied to let evil continue to exist simply because God permits it. What we love is not the situations behind our crosses. We only love God's will, which is allowing or causing those situations. God wants us to do what we can to remedy the evil so that the future will not be the same as the present. We're not fatalists. But at any given moment, what is, is, and therefore is God's will. And that is what we want for the now. The next moment, God's will may be different. That is what we must want then. It is his will and not the thing that is happening that we must love. It's the will of God and not the thing that is happening that we must love. Therefore, we should do our best to correct evil situations and even pray that God will remedy them. That's what our Lord did in the garden. He prayed to the Father that the cross be removed from him. Father, if it's possible, let this chalice pass away from me. But once we have prayed and done our best to remove the evil, we leave it up to God's good pleasure, as Christ did, whether or not he removes our cup of bitterness. Our job is to keep on wanting what God wants as long as the situation exists. If we have this attitude towards the cross, There will be no such thing as worry in our lives. For worry is simply the fear of getting the evil that we hate or of not getting the good that we love. The only remedy for fear and worry is faith in God's goodness. And it's an indisputable fact that happiness can come only from conformity to God's will by graciously accepting whatever he sends. There is no other course. But how can such conformity be attained? Certainly it is beyond the powers of unaided human nature to love the cross in this way. It is a supernatural thing, and therefore it requires supernatural means to reach it. If we sincerely use the means, we will surely attain the end. The supernatural means are prayer, particularly prayer during temptation. The key is this. Whenever anything happens that we do not like, say the little prayer, Thanks, God. In any situation that is displeasing to us, let us say, thanks, God. When we get up in the morning and find we have a headache or our arches are aching again, let us say, thanks, God. If a bit of time we had planned to use for ourselves is interrupted, let us say, thanks, God. If someone is interfering with our work and the way we want to do it, let us say, thanks, God. When we say thanks, God, we show that our will is in true conformity with God's will. It's only when we've made continued daily resolutions to say thanks, God, for what we do not like, time after time, that we will begin to acquire the ease and facility by which we can say thanks, God, in every difficult situation. This is the true habit of love of the cross. If we continue to do this in spite of all our feelings to the contrary, after a while, we'll be surprised to find ourselves actually feeling like saying, Thanks, God. We will, as a result of seeing God's will in everything, come to see God and enjoy His happiness right here on earth, for nothing that ever happens will really bother us again. This is how the saints deal with things. If we love the cross, we'll always be happy. We'll cast our cares upon the Lord, not being solicitous, not being concerned. We will never be sorrowful over the past, no matter how black it might be, for that lies in God's mercy, which is his greatest attribute. God's weakness is that he has a poor memory, we might say with all reverence. If we're sorry for the past, he forgets it. Again, as lovers of the cross, we will not be worried over the future, for that lies in God's providence. Likewise, we will not be concerned about the present, For that's the object of God's love now, and his love for each of us is without limit, not shared, not divided. He loves each one of us as if we were the only one in the world to be loved. And because he loves us in this way, then we know that he will do for us only what is best for us. That is why our happiness can lie only in wanting for ourselves what God wants, or in other words, in loving the cross. Thank you, Father Dean. Since God is infinitely wise, he knows what's best for us. Since he's infinitely good, he wants what's best for us. And being infinitely powerful, he can and will do what's best for us. God loves each of us as if we were the only one in the whole wide world to be loved. And because he loves us in this way, then we know he will do for us only what's best for us. This is why our happiness can lie only in wanting for ourselves what God wants, or in other words, in loving the cross. Whenever anything happens that we do not like, say the little prayer, Thanks, God. We say thanks, God. We show that our will is in true conformity with God's will. He's alive. He loves us. We shall strive to imitate the beautiful trust shown by our blessed mother, and accepting the good and bad events in our life. When she said, Be it done unto me according to thy word, she accepted God's will in its entirety with all its consequences. All of them. Our Lord's alive. He loves us. We need to get this virtue of loving the cross so we can deal with the storms and troubles of life. It does not take a prophet to see the devil It's about to stir up terrible storms in this society. doesn't take a prophetic charism to see persecution in the wind. Let's close by considering some comments from Origen. He's a brilliant commentator that lived from the late 100s to the middle 200s. Commenting on today's gospel passage, Origen says, quote, By means of all these happenings, the Lord gave us a figure and image of his teaching so that we might be patient in the face of every storm and persecution, that we might be steadfast, that we betray not our faith. And if all this world should boil up as the sea and rise in fury against us, though on every side there should rage the winds and whirlpools, the demons, though, as we have said, every menace of the sea, that is, every principality and power of this world, be roused against us, foaming with the swelling of their wrath... So as to torment the sanctified, and the like to the sea, they whip up wickedness and treacheries to the very skies, stirring up against you the murmuring of the evil-minded. Yet be not afraid, be not troubled, do not tremble, do not yield. For as many as are in the little ship of faith are sailing with the Lord. As many as are in the bark of Holy Church will voyage with the Lord across this wave-tossed life the Lord himself may sleep in holy quiet. He's but watching your patience and endurance, looking forward to the repentance and the conversion of those who have sinned. If all this world should boil up as a sea, rise in fury against us, though on every side there should rage winds and whirlpools of the demons, Though every principality and power of this world be roused up against us, foaming with the swelling of their wrath, so as to torment the sanctified. And the like to see they whip up wickedness and treacheries to the very skies, yet be not afraid, be not troubled, do not tremble, do not yield. For as many as are in the little ship of faith are sailing with the Lord, as many as are in the bark of Holy Church We'll voyage with the Lord across this wave-tossed life. The Lord himself may sleep in holy quiet. He's about watching your patience and endurance, looking forward to the repentance and to the conversion of those who have sinned. The Lord may sleep in holy quiet. He's about watching our patience and endurance, looking forward to the repentance and the conversion of those who have sinned. Amen.